Hello, beautiful soul. Welcome to the Elevate Your Soul podcast. I wanted to start off today's episode by reading a beautiful review from Leo. I love this podcast. I find by the end of each episode, I look at the points of view from all sides. I really find the subjects covered are always non-judgmental and just informative. Even subjects that I may not always agree with, I find most interesting because it shows more about my beliefs or judgments and I should just open my mind and my heart to accept everyone as they are. Being present and really listening to someone else is the key to connection and communication. For me, this podcast is a five star. Thank you so much, Leo, for that beautiful review. And if you could leave me a five star rating and write a little review on the side, that would be greatly appreciated. It really helps get this information out there. Today, I interview hypnotherapist, broadcaster, speaker, investor, business owner, and entrepreneur, Adam Cox. Together, we discuss where our beliefs come from, if people are aware or conscious of their own beliefs, and why anyone would want to change them. Adam describes how our core beliefs are what truly shape us into the person we are today, and how when changing them will create massive transformation in our lives. We touch on physical and mental health, hypnotherapy with weight loss, and how adults can change old beliefs and patterns. You can find some of the amazing work Adam does online through his website at adamcox.co.uk or check out Adam's other podcasts at Modern Mindset or The Hypnotist. I hope you guys love this podcast episode. I know I did. It was so fun interviewing Adam on this topic of beliefs. We really dive into where we feel our own beliefs came from and what we did to change our beliefs in our own lives and how dramatically our lives changed once we started changing even just one core belief that we had about our lives. It just made a massive transformation overall. I hope you guys gain a lot from this episode and I hope you enjoy. Hello, Adam. Welcome to the Elevate Your Soul podcast. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. First question I have for you again is what elevates your soul? So, yeah, I, th- I thought about this a bit more since we, we last spoke. And um, I think for me, it's exercise, it's uh, connection in some way. I think, you know, when I really think about what kind of uh, makes me feel great it's when there's a genuine connection that could be a conversation or that can be with a a therapy client um but feeling like i've made some kind of a difference i think that's the thing when i when i kind of go to sleep at night it's kind of like yeah that's that feels good Uh, and um yeah no it it feels it feels great and and i think learning new things as well like i'm a i'm a lifelong learner so if i just like learn one thing in a day that that kind of makes me feel great yeah, and that's a lot by the end of uh, end of your lifetime. <laughs> One thing every day. Totally. That's awesome. that's awesome. Can you briefly tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so it's difficult to kind of put me in a a box and say, right, you know, I do this thing because I do lots of different things. Yeah. So I'm kind of known as a hypnotherapist, um, particularly in the UK, because I work with. Um, quite well-known clients and I'm in the media a lot. So mainly I'm known as a, as a hypnotist or a hypnotherapist. Yeah. Um, but at the age of 23, I set up a PR agency. So people in the PR industry know me as someone that runs a broadcast PR agency. Mm. Um, and uh, more recently, I've launched two podcasts that are regularly in the iTunes chart. So I'm kind of known as a, as a podcaster as well. But basically what I do is I try and use my voice to influence people in a positive way. So if you had to put like a little circle around it, yeah. it's using my, my voice to, to make changes. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. It's always so hard for me to answer as well. People are like, what do you do? I'm like, well, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> totally. But those are the best answers. <laughs> Massively. Yeah. Because I think, and I was reluctant to, you know, be public about being a hypnotist because particularly in the uk hypnotism is is mainly misconstrued 
Um, people see it in a way that it isn't really. Uh, it's kind of seen as a joke. There was a, uh, a comedy show yeah. here that, that kind of took the piss out of um, stage hypnotism. So I was kind of reluctant, even though I knew it was kind of a passion and, and something yeah. I really wanted to do. There was a hesitancy because I had this kind of respectable kind of facade of being a business person, being quite yeah. serious. And, you know, I was hesitant to do that. But I think if you've got a calling, if you've got a, a kind of a desire to do something, you're not being true to yourself if you don't pursue that. A hundred percent. I love that. Uh, the way I view, I view hypnotism, I think similar to the way you're thinking of like when I was a kid, like something that people only did on stage and stuff. But now I see it as almost like a meditation, like you meditate with other people. Massively. I mean, it, it crosses over so much with meditation mm. um, because mm. hypnosis really is in many ways the opposite of mindfulness. Mindfulness is play, paying so much attention to the external world. So using your senses in the truest sense, like really observing, smelling, tasting, yeah. using all your senses. Hypnosis is really taking all of that stuff and using the internal senses. So in the same way that you can see something in real life, you can picture something in your mind's eye. Yeah. In the same way that you can hear like beautiful music, you can imagine things, sub-vocalization, you know, effectively musical words inside mm -hmm. your head in a dialogue. So hypnosis is just using the inner senses for a deliberate way, you know, and that might be to access an emotional resource or to create a change. Yeah. But that's not how people see it. People see it in terms of the Scooby-Doo hypnotist to kind of this Machiavellian, you know, manipulator, uh, mind right. control. And, and that's, that's why it's seen as a bit of a joke. And stage hypnotism hasn't really helped with that because, no. um, you know, that also communicates this idea of controlling people or manipulating people. Yeah. So a lot of people are scared of hypnosis <laughs> or think it's fake, you know, so yeah. that's not helpful as a therapist, if you can use this tool in a really positive way, if people are thinking it's somehow dodgy. Yeah, interesting. So our topic is beliefs, and I was just about to ask where do our beliefs come from, but on the topic of hypnotherapy, can you help change people's beliefs that they're wanting to change? I mean, the, the, the key thing with beliefs is that they're constantly changing. Mm. Um, you know, the well, idea that debatable in my head like for most adults they don't change and that's where the danger lies <laughs> well it, it's, it's interesting because then you have a belief about beliefs which is a meta belief yeah. but effectively <laughs> there are there are core beliefs which are right don't tend to change beliefs yeah. about people's identity beliefs about their spiritual existence beliefs about their capabilities these are core beliefs yeah. and they rarely change but then there are beliefs about the environment, beliefs about the world, mm -hmm. and just a, just a news report can change those beliefs. Oh, so, yeah. you know, for example, with the whole Me Too movement, there were beliefs about celebrities that we thought, these are good people. Mm -hmm. And then a bit of information, we're like, oh no, these are horrible people. Right. So we can change beliefs about environment or other people relatively quickly, just with new information. But beliefs about our core beliefs, who we are as an identity, they rarely change. And when they do change, that's massively transformative Massive. because it has a ripple effect on everything that happens, not just how we perceive that person or how we perceive ourselves, yeah. but also how we see the world because yeah. a useful metaphor for beliefs, is almost like the lens in which you view the world. And as those beliefs change, the world changes. The world is always as it is, but there's too much information going on in the world. So as the belief changes, your unconscious decides what it's going to pay more attention to, what it's going to delete or kind of ignore. Mm -hmm. So just something as simple as a belief change mm. can change an entire world because you're the person experiencing that world. And yeah. therefore the lens in which you see it changes dramatically and quickly as well. Yes. And so the core beliefs are the interesting part because they just, as you said, they can transform your life. I've had that happen to me as well. Where do those core beliefs actually come from? Mainly from other people, and, and it's the people in those formative years that have the biggest impact on your beliefs. So yeah. for most people, it's their parents, you know, yeah. and, and quite often parents might have good intentions, but then they're also a, you know, a victim or a, a result of their own conditioning. Yeah. So it's not unusual for parents to be uh, critical or um, to try and protect children 
maybe communicate certain unconscious limitations. Um, so a lot of the core beliefs about who we are, what we're capable of, you know, what we're destined to become really come from parents, but it might come from siblings. If you've got influential older siblings, or it might be a grandparent or an uncle or an aunt, if they're heavily involved in your upbringing. But mm -hmm. then when people start going to school, friends start changing beliefs and then it kind of, you know, part of the belief system is the value system. So if you value certain things, you tend to form core beliefs around those things. Right. So if nature is important to you, then you're going to have beliefs about nature. If, you know, if someone's a vegan, for example, rarely is that a behavioral choice that comes from their values and their beliefs. Yeah. And then that has a ripple effect on their behavior. Yeah. Um, so it's all these things, it's media, it's society. It's not an accident that if people are born in a Muslim country, they tend to have, you know, Islamic beliefs. If people are born in a Christian country, they tend to have Christian beliefs. Um, now that can change, of course, but it shows that society and culture has a huge impact in terms of spiritual beliefs or core beliefs that we, yeah. that we have. Yeah. And uh, that doesn't mean they can't change, but that's typically where they come from. Yeah. A question I love asking people is like, how many beliefs do you have that are different from the way your family or your parents think? Because the people always love saying how different they are from their parents. They're like, oh, I'm nothing like my mom, nothing like my dad. Well, then you ask them about their core beliefs and they're like, oh, they have the same kind of core beliefs about humanity and the world and animals and food and culture. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> Massively. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, you know, at some level, we all want to be unique. Yeah. But we don't want to be so unique that we get rejected from society. So, you know, what we're talking about is the fringes, you know, mm -hmm. for most people, you know, and, and, and right now, as a result of the pandemic, there is an increase in a particular type of belief that people would label conspiracy theories. Yeah. Um, now, there is a nervousness, even if people hold those beliefs, there is a nervousness to be public about those beliefs, because generally that results in ridicule from all those people that don't share that belief. Yes. And that's happened throughout history. Yeah. You know, if, uh, you know, I think Darwin was reluctant to share his beliefs based on evolution because he thought, well, this is going to cause a massive, you know, kind of reaction from the church and things like that. So mm -hmm. there is this hesitancy, I think, for people to have beliefs that are so different from what we can call the herd or the, the general population, yeah. because effectively, you know, we are social creatures yeah. and, you know, the worst thing that can happen, you know, to our ancestors, you know, let's say the hunter gatherers is that they get rejected from the tribe. Yeah. So it's kind of hardwired into our neurology to kind of want to fit in at some level, but equally there is this desire to be unique and different. <laughs> so people tend to have this kind of, you know, generally they think what other people think, but equally they've got a few beliefs to make them a bit special. Yeah. And why that instinct is so scary, but why we fear being left out of the tribe or out of the group is because that's how we survived. So basically being thrown out of the group means you are going to die. So it means death. So that's like where most of those like intuitive or like those instincts come from in us in order to survive, like consciously, we're not always aware of why we do it, but it's just for survival really. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing because a, a lot of people think that, you know, we are hardwired for happiness. Right. We're not at all. We're hardwired <laughs> for survival. You know, <laughs> well, yes, exactly. Being rejected from the tribe doesn't just mean that you might die, but it mm -hmm. means that, you know, how are you going to mate? How are you going to have a family? How, you know, so from an evolutionary point of view, there is a lot of rewards to kind of fit in yeah. and a lot of potential consequences to be that different. And most people, um, you know, their beliefs influence their behavior so mm -hmm. much that actually there is this kind of huge sociological and psychological pressure to believe what other people believe, even when you know deep down that it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is the weird thing. I'm not religious myself, but I do respect everyone's right to, to have religious beliefs. Yeah. But at some level, you do get this dissonance where people, there's a part of them that must know, right, this isn't true. But mm. at the same time, you know, they believe it passionately, mm. you know, because at some level, these beliefs were installed at a very young age. Yeah. And at some level, 
it benefits them to keep having these beliefs. Yeah. And my, my thoughts on the beliefs when it comes to religion are that if they're useful, if they're helpful, if it helps you cope with certain situations, what's the problem? Mm -hmm. But if those same beliefs are used to justify diabolical behavior and cause harm to other people, mm -hmm. well then, you know, how useful are those beliefs? And also there's a lot of shame and guilt built into lots of religions based on belief systems you know, a lot of people will believe in the, in the concept of hell, you know, that what yeah. you do creates an eternity of, of misery. Yeah. Well, these beliefs, whether they're true or not, definitely influence the behavior of individuals yeah. in the same way that in the Islamic religion, there's an idea that if you um, almost become a martyr, then you, you achieve paradise. Well, these belief systems, you know, they don't have to be true, but that can yeah. influence someone's behavior to the point that they die and maybe hundreds of other people die as well. So yeah. these beliefs, it's easy to kind of think of them, oh, it's just someone's belief. Mm. They have real life consequences. Totally. They completely shape your life. When I think back in my childhood, I did everything I could to try to fit in with the group. So I guess like I didn't question what my friends or whatever would think as well. And I guess family as well then too. I would just believe everything. And a part of me wanted to believe everything because I wanted to fit in. And then in like adulthood, I have, which not all adults have, but I think most people in their adulthood, that's kind of when they get to that stage where they're like, I don't want to be like everyone else now. Now I want to be like unique and now I want to be different. And it's funny because as a kid, we try so hard to like fit in and be like everyone else in school. And then we get into adulthood. We're like, what can I do to be different? Um, and my beliefs about like, my beliefs about polyamory now, I don't even think they're like different to society. Like I, I have the even though I'm like, I could be perceived as like a little bit different from your average person. I still like in my head, I'm like, Oh, I fit in. I'm just like everyone else because I know there's so many people who share the same beliefs as me out there. So I'm like, I'm definitely not alone. And it doesn't really matter what you believe or what kind of lifestyle you have. There's always people out there who share those same values and beliefs as you like always. Yeah. And if, and if we go back to that tribe metaphor, mm. you know, thousands of years ago it wasn't that easy if you get reject rejected from your local tribe you can't teleport to the other yeah. side of the planet and then kind of yeah. find that tribe but social media technology means that you know it's never been easier to find people that have yeah. similar and shared beliefs so you yeah. get to connect with a tribe so mm -hmm. the, the the chances of being rejected from that specific tribe well we're all rejected from some tribes you know, at, at some level, but that yeah. just means that you have a feedback loop to kind of find the right kind of, you know, tribe to, to kind of fit in where you do have those shared beliefs and those shared beliefs feel that there's then safety in numbers, which again, it kind of goes back to that mm. survival instinct to yes. oh, feel safe now. It's, a, it's yes. okay for me to talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's so funny though. I think the reality is in the Western world that a lot of us are hanging out in tribes or having friends that we don't necessarily sh share the same beliefs with, but we keep quiet. A lot of us keep quiet because we don't want to be like left out of the group or we don't have to, we don't want that transition phase as well to be kicked out of a group. They have to deal with rejection and that hurts. And then that question of like, Oh, will I ever find someone who thinks like me or will accept me the way I am? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's validation as well because yeah. you know, it, 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 it feels, you know, not just rejection, but you know, invalidated that your beliefs somehow aren't true and and the nature of beliefs is that they're true for whoever believes them yes, so you get these exactly. ridiculous arguments where people <laughs> that have different beliefs mm. are arguing as to which one's true without mm. thinking of the more sensible perspective which is okay which one's useful you yeah. know and 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 the way i look at core beliefs is you know if someone believes that they learn quickly right? That does, it doesn't matter if that's true or false, but is it useful <laughs> to believe that someone's a fast learner if, if, the, if it encourages them to learn new things? Well, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, equally, if someone believes that they make friends quickly, mm -hmm. um, that's again, quite a useful belief to have because yeah. it means that whatever environment they tend to be in, they're going to create a self-fulfilling prophecy at some level. Exactly. But equally, a lot of people have what would you know psychologists would call disempowering or limiting beliefs mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. beliefs that they may have they may perceive them to be true but they're just not that useful and that belief cycle or self-fulfilling prophecy if someone has a belief that they're stupid 
you know, and a lot of people do believe that, you know, they have, you know, this kind of mental limitation. Okay. Even if that's true, okay, to believe that is then going to mean that you don't try lots of things. Mm. And the consequence of not trying is that it then validates this idea that yeah. you're not very good at, at doing things. And mm. then the cycle continues. So the problem really comes not just if people have limiting beliefs, but if they have limiting beliefs that also happen to be um, capability-based beliefs or identity beliefs, yes. and they're also limiting, well, that can create a lifetime of misery. And yeah. a lot of people don't even realize that there is an element of choice that comes into play about beliefs. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, again, goes back to this meta belief, but if you have a belief that once you have a belief, it's pretty much fixed and it doesn't change. Yeah. And, and you also have limiting beliefs that are based on capabilities and identity, um, then in, in a way you're trapped by your own beliefs. You, you're kind of in a little <laughs> labyrinth yeah. of your own making. And unless yeah. you figure out that that isn't true mm. or isn't useful, then you're going to, a lot of people spend a lifetime trapped yeah. in their own little mazes. And it's a tragedy because they don't need to. Yeah, that's the golden nugget right there. That's incredible. I'd love to ask, do you feel like the law of attraction ties into the whole beliefs? Because you're talking about if someone has a belief, it changes their behaviors, their actions, which obviously will change their entire life. Do you feel like the law of attraction um, has a part to play in that as well? I, I, I do, um, because generally, I mean, for me, the law of attraction is that you can manifest or attract those things that you want. And there's a part of the brain um, that, you know, has been classified as a particular process called the reticular activating system, which basically means that it's the part of the brain that decides what to focus on. So we've all had this experience when we set a resolution or set a goal, and then suddenly these clues start jumping out of nowhere and you're like, Oh, I didn't notice that before. And then suddenly it's there. Yeah. Some people would say that's quantum physics. They would say it's the law of attraction. They'd say the universe is giving them clues. They would say it's synchronicity. Yeah. Yeah. Psychologists would say, well, you've just decided that it's more important to you now. And therefore it's paying more attention to that thing. Yeah, realizing it. Yeah, absolutely. But, but yeah. the belief system is quite positive. I think it's a, it's a useful belief system if it has an element of ownership and action attached to it. So if people think, um, okay, I just need to vibrate at a particular, particular frequency and just want it enough, mm -hmm. and then just kind of sit on their couch and just hope that these things that they're manifesting kind of knock on their door, mm -hmm. that's quite a disempowering belief because it's going to create a feeling of frustration and delusion when these things don't happen. Yeah. But if someone believes that you know, they've got the ability to manifest anything in their life, by taking action, finding out what works, changing their approach, learning from people that already have that particular skill or ability, um, then the law of attraction is a very, very good belief because it encourages people to be, you know, captains of their own ship and masters of their own destiny, which is a very, very empowering belief. It's the mm -hmm. passive bit of the law of attraction. And, and obviously the, the book and the movie, The Secret, I think at some level kind of implies that all you have to do is have a vision board Right. you know find you know be grateful and and be really positive and that's enough and and i right. think you know I've, I've interviewed many people that were featured in the secret and and all of them since that have said yeah but you've got to do the work you've actually yeah. got to do stuff which yeah. is a, an important distinction i think and i think that's funny why some people like don't like the law of attractions because they like they think that's what it is and like oh it doesn't work but as you said like positive beliefs for me everything happens for a reason stable right on my wrist and that's like, I've had some people look at that and they're like, mm -mm, not true. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. You can believe that. But me believing that everything happens for a reason, like changes my life. And on the other arm, uh, where there's a will, there's a way. So just like everything, like positive beliefs are just like tattooed all over my hands and my arms. And it, it oh, actually totally. really helps. Massively. Yeah. And, and I think that that first belief, you know, everything happens for a reason from a from a hypnotherapist point of view when i'm dealing with people that have been the victim of some kind of trauma or you know something negative in their life mm -hmm. you can't change whatever what has actually happened but what you can do is you can change the meaning to that yeah. and you know there's always fantastic stories of people that have gone through absolute hell um and found some kind of positive meaning that has propelled their life in a positive direction so that belief that you have that everything happens for a reason means that when bad stuff happens your brain is searching for a positive reason. Yeah. 
which is a really empowering way that you've got therapy built into your belief system. And where there's a will, there's a way is a belief that encourages highly resourceful thinking and actions because you set a goal. It doesn't go to plan, but tattooed on your arm is like, where there's a will, there's a way. You yeah. can't pretend that you don't believe that because you've backed that up with, yeah. you know, a a public declaration that yeah. you know this is what you believe, and and at some level these may have been choices. It may have been that there's been times in your life where you didn't believe this, exactly. and you suffered yeah. the experience of that. Yeah, know? yeah, that's exactly where it comes from. Do you think most people are consciously aware of their beliefs? In certain situations, they are, you know, the, the, the nature of the conscious and the unconscious mind is that we're only really conscious of about seven or eight things at any one point in time. Mm-hmm. And while we're not conscious of those things, it's definitely in the unconscious because we can say that it exists. Um, if someone's having a, a conversation about a belief or a debate about a belief, and right now there's lots of political beliefs being thrown around, yeah. in the moment they're discussing them, they're absolutely conscious of them. Um, and they're so resourceful to defend that belief because if they were to lose that, then it kind of at some level changes their own identity or their perception of themselves. Um, so people can be conscious of their beliefs in moments, but the vast majority of the time, you know, if you're just enjoying a sunset or enjoying a meal or swimming, you're probably not focused on a specific belief that you have about, I don't know, whatever it might be. Um, so it's unconscious of that moment. I think most people aren't only not conscious of their beliefs most of the time, but they're not conscious of the beliefs even when they're in a heated debate about something that mm-hmm. is about their beliefs because they're not perceiving it as a belief. They're perceiving it as their truth. Yeah. And, and, and the reality is it is their truth, yeah. but it doesn't mean it's everyone's truth. Yeah. You know? and, and even you know, we're in a weird time where, factual things have become opinions um and it it shows that there is a difference between scientific facts and the belief systems that we build around them so i can believe something that is true yeah but equally i can believe something that isn't true at all with just the same level of conviction as an absolute fact you know and this is the interesting thing about psychology is that you know we're we're humans you know going around the planet projecting our life and making decisions based entirely on beliefs and and if someone believes in psychics and if someone believes in tarot readings or astrology then you know my question is is it useful for that individual you know the you know part of what makes a lot of societies very you know empowering and positive mm. is that people have the right to believe whatever they want to believe exactly. now some people are going to ridicule it some people are going to be supportive of it yeah. But as long as people aren't getting hurt, who cares? You know, if it's positive yeah. for that individual, they have every right to believe whatever they want. And I love running into people that believe entirely different things than I do because it makes me think, well, what am I missing? You know, what, <laughs> what, what other things could I believe that, yeah. you know, could give me an entirely different perspective on life? And, and, and those beliefs, you know, are, you know, when, when people see someone else wearing, let's say, particular clothes that they really like, they accept that they could go to a shop, buy similar clothes or the same clothes, wear those clothes and those clothes would belong to them. Yeah. People don't look at beliefs in the same way. I do. I'm, I'm constantly shopping for beliefs. You yeah. know, I'm interviewing people on my podcast all the time to figure out what they believe, to see if I want to try it on for size, to see if I want to believe what they believe. Because, you know, a combination of certain beliefs has the quickest and, and, and most immediate impact on anyone's life than anything. And if you change one belief, yeah. you, can change, you can change a world for that individual. And I think that that's such a powerful thing. Wow, Adam, I love that mindset. I think I've only ever met one other person who said that to me in my life, that you know, if someone has a different belief, instead of just challenging them or getting defensive, they're like, oh, I'm going to listen and see if there's any part of this that I can pick up on or that I can learn from. I think that's so cool. What, what do you think makes us so defensive of our beliefs? Like when we're challenged, we're so quick to be like, nope, you're wrong. I'm right. This is why. Sometimes if we don't even know why we're right, we're, we're right. We just still are like so stubborn to, I don't know, just like we hate having our beliefs challenged. Why do you think that is? 
Yeah, I mean, psychologically, it comes from a, uh, a feeling of dissonance. So, you know, because we are so invested, I mean, look at cults, for example. I mean, quite a famous cult, um, Scientology. Um, the, the, it's entirely based on belief systems that, you know, could, if you're not in that group, could be widely ridiculed. Um, actually, people that, you know, are in Scientology, they find quite empowering things from having those particular belief systems. But the idea that these beliefs are true, I think most people would say, well, they're definitely not true, but could they be useful for that individual? The problem is if someone becomes invested in a cult and a cult is really a collection of shared beliefs across the, uh, across the group, um, then effectively there are, um, a couple of things locked into that generally, um, there is always the danger of being ostracized. So that kind of going back to being rejected from the tribe. So there's that fear of loss. So if you don't keep believing what we believe, you know, and, and I don't know if you have the religion uh, over in New Zealand, but the Jehovah's Witnesses in the yes, UK. float around here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so effectively, I know people that can't communicate with their own family members because they've been ostracized yeah. from, the, from the religion. Yeah. Yeah. So there is this threat so you know at some level this is happening to you know to higher or lesser degrees that principle of being potentially rejected well that's a consequence and equally you know there is this um, dissonance that comes from everything that you've invested up to that point so for cults that might be financial investment it might be breaking relationships with previous friends you know previous family members to only effectively be in that particular group and that can happen not just in cults but within subcultures you know if you kind of reject your usual friends to kind of become part of a subculture then generally what you're saying is is that you know i believe what these guys believe and then you've got huge sociological and psychological pressure to have those shared beliefs even when you start thinking that something's wrong um you know so so you get these these kind of elements but equally, the law of consistency, um, people are labeled hypocrites, they're labeled flaky, whenever they suddenly do something that contradicts their public beliefs. Yes. Uh, it's, it's public ridicule. Um, you see this a lot. So again, we're hardwired to be consistent. And, mm-hmm. and generally, that's why um, if people suddenly make some kind of big change, um, generally it's a good idea to communicate that change. Um, so the, you know, it's, it's not perceived to be hypocritical or contradictory, but it's actually an evolution. And, and, that, and that's really the, the way in which, um, I look at my belief systems as almost like operating system on a phone. You know, it would be ridiculous if I had the same operating system on my iPhone that was around 10 years ago, five years ago. Mm-hmm. People think, why are you doing that? You know, things have moved on now. Update your operating system. <laughs> well, you know, why wouldn't you do that with your beliefs? If you've got access to new information yeah. uh, and you've tried a few things out and there's a few bugs in those beliefs, why not change them for something better? And I think, you know, for me, um, there's lots of things I believe now that I didn't used to believe um, about myself, about the world, you know, and, and for me, it's constantly evolving, but I'm not going to... Um, be a slave to those beliefs. If I find out that what I'm believing now isn't useful in a year's time, yeah. I'm quite happy to change it because, yeah. you know, why would I wear the same clothes that I had three or four years ago if they don't fit me anymore? Yeah. You know, and I think we need yeah. to start looking at our beliefs as rather than, you know, we're, we're prisoners of our belief systems. We're consumers of our belief systems. And if we don't like them, change them, mm-hmm. and get some better ones. Mm-hmm. It is tough though, when it comes to like seeing things that are pretty real, and you can't like unsee them. Like I'm just thinking my family went vegan like four years ago because of their beliefs, but their beliefs came from information. So it's like, and I've witnessed those things. Like, you know, you see the videos on, on the internet of how terrible these animals are raised and what they do to them. So I like, I want to be vegan. I don't want to eat animal products because of that. But every now and then I do, because like, I have this other part of me that's just like, I really want a slice of chicken or I really want an egg right now or something like that. So, um, and, and also like learning about those things have made me be like, well, if I do have an animal product, I want to get, you know, free range organic and things like that. But 
like in that sense, you can't necessarily say like, oh, you, you have to change your beliefs if, if you're getting like information that's so factual and real right in front of your face. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't like witness yeah, do, something like there's... that. <laughs> Yeah, but 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 there is high-profile examples of, of yeah. people that have been vegan for a, more than a decade, yeah. and, and they've said, you know, um, you know, it, it's really, you know, it, it was positive for a while, and I and I really did believe that. Yes. But actually, I started eating meat again, or I started eating fish again, yes. and my health improved, and, yeah. and therefore, I'm still going to eat ethically, but I'm going to do this, and and yeah. and and I think you know, things do change, but it becomes hard when you've been an advocate, a public advocate, yes. like for you to, to no longer believe that where there's a will, there's a way mm-hmm. people will be like, well, hold on, it's tattooed on your body. How can you yeah. not believe that? You yeah. know? So, yeah. but, but the, the equivalent of, you know, tattooing something in the body could be um, doing Facebook lives or being mm-hmm. a speaker on a stage, you know, you know, being a, mm. a preacher, you know, saying things publicly, um, that public commitment holds people to yeah. those beliefs and the law of consistency is a very, very powerful belief. And that's why people don't tend to change. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, as humans, if every day we woke up, we, we woke up and we had entirely different beliefs, nobody could predict what we're going to do that particular day. So, <laughs> you know, in the same way that, you know, advertisers know that we're going to buy pretty much the same food this week as we bought last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, humans are quite predictable over yeah. time because yeah. they are creatures of habit. So beliefs are, are no different. And, and a belief, once it takes root, it doesn't move. And, you know, the law of momentum, unless there is an external force that changes that belief, you're going to have that belief forever. And that's why the majority of people will believe what they believe today in the same way that they believed it a year ago and will probably believe it a year from now. Yeah. unless something changes yeah. and that's why you know seeing a therapist that's pretty good at changing beliefs is quite useful if you do figure out that you don't want to have that belief anymore and, and some of these beliefs mm-hmm. aren't even like serious things they're or, or they're serious things but they they're things that aren't people aren't even aware of the amount of yeah, weight loss clients exactly. that i've had where people have an absolute conviction like they would swear on oath with a lie detector that they're not good enough. Yeah. That categorically they're not good enough. And 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 when when I ask the question, what does that even mean? Not good enough for what? Mm. They can't give me a clear answer, but they've got a hundred percent conviction yeah. that they're not good enough. Mm. You know, well, if you believe that you're not good enough, then when opportunities come along, you're going to say, "Nah, it's not for me." Yeah. You know, if someone attractive starts flirting with them, they're not going to respond to that because they're just going to assume that they're not worthy for that relationship. There's so many consequences of a belief like that. And yet there are millions upon millions of people believing that, you know, they're not good enough or they're not worthy in some way. They're not valuable in some way. And that's just how their life is going to plan out unless something changes it. And that's so crazy. Like, I don't, I don't know many people who would be like, Oh, I'm going to get a therapist now where I'm going to get someone to help me to change my core beliefs. Most people are just like, I hate my fucking life. Something's got to change. And then they go. Um, but yeah, that's what happens a lot is the, the coach or the therapist or the hypnotherapist or whatever it is, they actually tend to work on changing that person's beliefs. And that's what actually change, changes their life. And I love that you touched on that topic of weight loss, because I find that's a fascinating one for me too. And when people ask me, you know, what do you think it is that that sabotages them from losing the weight, even though, because I, I know like anyone, anyone who's overweight, they're not like, Oh, I have no idea how I'm overweight. Like they, they know exactly why and they know what they need to do to lose the weight. But then they, then they're like, but why am I still overweight then? And I always say as well, like, I believe it's, um, their level of self-love, like they just need more self-love and that's actually what's stopping them. But you're, you're coming from beliefs, but I guess it's, it's a similar kind of thing. Whereas if they have more self-love, their beliefs of themselves are going to change. So if from, you know, I'm not worthy to, I am worthy to, I'm not enough to, I am enough. Yeah. It's a two way street because if someone doesn't believe they're worthy, they're not going to give themselves much self-love. They're not going to give themselves you know, much care and attention because they don't deserve it. They're not going to yeah. buy themselves high nutritional food because mm-hmm. they're just going to give their body crap to feel something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, but equally, if they start, you know, actually, because, you know, in the same way that if you change a belief, 
that tends to make people feel more resourceful and then they take different action they make different choices yeah. um but equally if someone just makes different choices quite often you know they think oh you know it, it's, it's this um feeling of evaluation that comes from well why did i do that right. and, and a lot of beliefs actually come from an evaluation of behavior yeah so if someone just and, and that's where the act as if you know frame can really help if mm -hmm. someone just acts confident uh and then they get treated like a confident person by people around them they could easily come up with the belief that yeah, I'm a confident person and then that becomes true, you know? So, so it doesn't have to only come from the belief change basis. Sometimes it can come from someone paying someone a, a, a really genuine compliment yeah. um, that they just kind of think about. Yeah. It's like, yeah, maybe that's true. And then that, that maybe single, I am awesome. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Totally. And then, but if that, if that rather than just being words that they reject, if that's actually a belief that they then, you know, that seed gets planted, yeah. it takes root. And then they start thinking, yeah, you know what? I am, you know, X. Exactly. And then, you know, that can become a belief and then it can create a cycle. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of personal change, you don't have to, you know, it, it's a weird thing because it's hard to give a new belief if there's a pre-existing belief already there. Mm -hmm. Most people aren't going to take on a new religion if they already believe in a different religion. Yeah. Um, so that's why, you know, you, you kind of need to create a vacuum first before you install a new belief, um, which is easier said than done because people are, as we discussed, highly invested in, in their belief systems. Yeah. Not all belief systems, you know, yeah. you know if, if someone has a belief about, I don't know, a particular celebrity or football team or something like that, and then that suddenly changes. Okay, if it's not part of their core identity, it's easy. It will, it will just change like that. Yeah. But when it's things that people are really, really invested in, you know, such as, you know, and, and this is why a lot of people have a crisis when, you know, their career is cut short. Yeah. Because or a lot they of them, end a relationship. <laughs> or they end a relationship. Absolutely. Because sometimes their identity isn't really based on who they really are, mm -hmm. but the evaluation that they've come from. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a financial advisor, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a lion's share of their identity. And then if yeah. that suddenly isn't there, they don't know who they are anymore. Yep. So that core belief about, you know, I am this, or, you know, I do this, one that changes where there's, you know, there's a vacuum. Yeah. And, and the good news is when there's a vacuum, there's a great opportunity to install a new belief that could be infinitely more empowering and, and positive than the, the belief that was in there before. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you one quick example of an identity shift that I did with a weight loss client. Um, she enjoyed jogging, but just didn't do it very often. So she had, you know, jogging at the behavior level. Occasionally she would go for jogs when I got her to buy into the identity of being a runner, um, everything changed, you know, what do runners do? Well, they have all the kit, you know, they, they, they're on the, you know, the websites and the magazines, you know, they've got all the gadgets, they yeah. do regular half marathons. And yeah. if your identity is that you're a runner, you know, weight loss is not an issue for you. You, <laughs> you don't have to worry about weight loss because yeah. at the identity level, that's just kind of what you do. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and a lot of people, you know, they've got this huge opportunity to kind of expand their identity. So your very first question, you know, who are you? What do you do? It's not easy for me to give a, you know, a straightforward answer there because there's multi, multiple strands to my identity and, and what I feel like I do, I am, and yeah. I'm capable of. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really useful thing for anyone to do is to kind of expand their identity. So they've got a few more eggs, you know, in their basket so that if one part of their life changes, they're not suddenly having a crisis of, you know their identity exactly. you know they've got more strings to that bow exactly and we are so multifaceted so for me if someone asks me you know what i do or who i am it's like depends on what this podcast interview is about or depends on who you are or depends on what mood i'm in because <laughs> the answer is going to slightly change and it can because i'm all i'm all of the above <laughs> yeah so so you have lots of beliefs about your identity and lots of beliefs about your capabilities yeah um and, and a lot of those are naturally aligned with resourceful states. You know, yeah. where there's a will, there's a way, you know, it simply means that's got tenacity built into your belief systems. You know, it's, you know, yeah. persistence, determination, you're not going to give up easily, but yeah. a lot of people don't believe that, yeah. you know, they'll believe that, you know, you know, if something doesn't work immediately, 
they're not capable, they're not cut out for it. You know, it wasn't meant to be, you know, there's this kind of destiny yeah, thing going on. Um, and then that's not going to make them very resourceful. So simply a belief like where there's a will, there's a way is a really useful belief, but a lot of people don't have it. And then there's a consequence as a ripple effect of not having that belief, but they may have a different belief. Um, and that might be, you know, if it is more fatalistic, then rather than in your case, you'll be like, right, where there's a will, there's a way. What can I do to make this happen? That might be your thinking. They might be thinking, what's my astrology going to say? What's going to land on my lap next? You know, it's going to be a different approach depending on those belief systems. Totally. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting. I'm just thinking back now, like I got most of my tattoos on my arms and hands of these quotes. They actually are life beliefs. And when I initially tattooed them, they were kind of inspirational. Like I knew that if I incorporated those beliefs and I embodied them, that life would get better. So it wasn't like when I tattooed them, life changed, but that's when the turning point happened and the steering wheel was just slowly changing for, you know, two, three years after. But I think I've really embodied those beliefs. Now I have the other one on my arm says count your blessings. And that's all about gratitude for me. And then on my fingers, it says make the most of now. So like when I just embody those four, four life quotes, it's just like, yeah, it just feels great <laughs> when you get there and you actually subconsciously believe them. Yeah. And, and it takes a bit of conditioning, it takes a bit of repetition. Definitely. And, uh, you know, the, the idea that you can read something once, you know, sometimes on social media, you'll see people that resonate with the belief. Mm -hmm. They'll share it and they'll just put this. And it's yeah. kind of like, okay, well, <laughs> that's a nice start. That's a nice start. But, yeah. you know, to what extent is that condition? And, and I use a metaphor a lot of planting a seed because... Yeah. Most people get that just because you plant a seed doesn't necessarily mean it's going to grow. Exactly. But most people also get that once you plant a seed and you nurture it and you really kind of, you give it everything it needs and it takes root, yeah. it will reach a point where that's not going anywhere. Yeah. Where it's quite fragile in the early stages of, a, of yeah. a new belief. And also most people get with that metaphor that you can't plant a seed if there's a plant already there. So sometimes you've got to challenge your, your initial beliefs and say, well, do I really believe it? Is it really useful to believe that? Yes. Um, and if it isn't, you know, what, what might I change it to? And, and one of my biggest belief shifts was that I had the belief that, you know, I wasn't good enough. And, and I, you know, it was a weird way in the sense that I spun that into really trying to make myself better. So by having the belief that I wasn't good enough, it meant that I would invest a lot in myself to become better but it was coming from a place of not being worthy and when i changed that belief to something a bit more useful that you know um i do love myself and that i'm more than good enough actually i was still just as high you know productive as i was before but the energy shifted massively rather than trying to do things to kind of make up for some kind of deficit yeah. now i was doing something because i was growing and yeah. and it, pretty much what I was doing was the same things, but how, <laughs> how I was doing it felt entirely different. I wasn't trying to prove anything to anyone else anymore. Yeah. It was just about me evolving into a better version of myself. That's a really good point. And I do feel like people outside of you will feel that like the podcast, like the quality of your podcast, like when people listen to it, like I'm all about energy. So like the vibration of that podcast, even though you did the exact same uh, podcast on the same topic, when you're in that better state of consciousness yourself, like that podcast is going to vibrate at a different frequency and people are going to pick up on that and resonate it and, or just be more attracted to it. So that's, that's my belief. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 a great, and, and the thing is, you know, so many of these beliefs are so empowering and, and, yeah. you know, I'm constantly shopping for them. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you clearly have a belief that dance for you is a way to change your energy your feeling of resourcefulness. Yeah. I don't have that belief about dance. You know, for yeah. me, it's kind of like I have a belief that I'm not a good dancer. And you know, that's why you don't do it. <laughs> it's true. That's what, why it's most true. people don't do it. They're embarrassed, even when they're by themselves. They're like, I'm a bad dancer and I, I don't even want to witness myself dance. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so totally. And yeah. and that and that different belief. So so I'm looking at you and it's kind of like, well, clearly it gives you a certain sense, you know, sense of energy and, and vibrancy. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of yeah. like, well, you know, what would I have to do to replace that belief that, you know, I'm not good at dancing and it's a bit cringy to dance to, you know, I can kind of get myself in a highly resourceful state just for a few minutes of dancing. Now at the moment, 
you know, that's, that's just words out of my mouth. It's not a belief. But if I did have that belief, yeah. would it mean that, you know, I could, you know, be a better version of myself? quite possibly, you know, and, that, and that's how these beliefs come from. It's kind of challenging them. It's, it's, a, it's using a what if frame in a, in a positive way. What if I believe that, you know, what if, what would be the natural consequences of believing that and what actions are naturally going to follow from that belief system? Yeah. So I'm willing to bet that if you wake up in the morning and you're feeling a bit, you know, lethargic, a bit sluggish, you've probably got behaviors linked to core beliefs that can get you in a different state very, very quickly. I never but wake up like that ever. <laughs> It's a new day. There's no reason to be in a low. Like if anything, I struggle with that at night. But like when I wake up, I'm just like, hallelujah, <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs> and yeah. that's it. And that, that comes from your belief of counting your blessings, you know? So, yeah. so what, what's, what's clear for you is that your belief systems are naturally aligned with highly resourceful states. Yes. Um, but there's a lot of people that don't wake up in highly resourceful states. Yeah. They wake up. Well, and it's, and it's a belief, like, and it's the belief that I have that when I wake up, I'm always in a good mood. So that perpetuates the reality that when I wake up, I'm always in a good mood. Totally, it's, it's yeah. a classic self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Um, but if, but if you didn't, you know, you've also got beliefs about how to change your emotional state rapidly. So yeah. you know. So, so then that would give you evidence that you can kind of change things quickly. But a lot of people don't wake up in this kind of highly resourceful state. They wake up dreading the day, you know, ah, oh, today's going to be awful. And guess what? It will be awful, you know? And, and so many people are running these, what I would just, you know, to use a different metaphor, running bad code, you know, if, if they, if they kind of, if you, if you consider belief systems like programs in your brain, what's the consequence of these, you know, of these beliefs. Yeah. And for a lot of people, it's disempowering, it's misery, it's depression, it's anxiety. You know, it's a lot of things that people don't have to experience, but they're not aware that actually the root cause of a lot of this is simply the beliefs that they have yes. that has the ability to change. Yes. Yes. Touching back to the dance thing as well. Just want, like, want people to know that like, I, I, I had the exact same thing when I started like dancing by myself, I was so shameful. And I like, I would like be paranoid at looking out the window. Like I want to close the curtains. Like, like anyone would dare see me. I would like close the curtains and like do it like quite awkwardly. And then, yeah, it's just like, I kept doing it more and more until I just one day decided I'd adopt the belief that I'm a good dancer. And like back, back when I was younger, I was like, I'm a terrible dancer. And like, you know, like I'm not very confident, blah, blah, blah. And I've danced so much. I'm just like, yeah, I'm a good dancer. I've never been to a dance class once in my life, but I'm just like, it feels good in my body. It's just feels so good in my body. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I think most people would agree with that. You know, the, you know, that, that classic kind of phrase, you know, motion creates emotion, you know, there's a physiological reaction to it. And, you know, when people are in these kind of environments where they would feel comfortable enough to dance, they're probably drunk, you know, exactly. at some level. So they might have, you know, positive associations with it, but yeah. you know, the idea that they could, you know, dance in the morning before breakfast and yeah. not be drunk, yeah. that would be that. Oh, that's crazy. I could never do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a good point. That's a good point. And it's like, Oh, in order to get that good feeling of dancing, I need to like poison my liver and toxify my entire body. It's like, yeah. <laughs> in, in, in a weird thing, yeah, it, it gets them to the point of dancing, but actually it's probably the dancing that makes them feel good more than the alcohol oh, anyway. For sure, for sure. Yes, and then people resonate like, oh, I like going out and drinking alcohol because really they just really want to get to the dancing part. And that's what I realized that was, that was my thing. I was like, what do I really like about going out? Like, what is it? It's like, no, it's not actually about being drunk. It's about caring less about what other people think about me. So if I care less about what other people think about me, maybe I don't have to drink. And then I love to dancing. And then like, maybe I can learn to just have a little bit more confidence and then be able to dance without, you know, drugs or alcohol. So it's like, it's, it's questioning and analyzing those yeah, beliefs. It's, that you it's, hold. it's very yeah. reflective. And I think that's, that's, that's a good way. And, and if people aren't sure, you know, what they believe, a journal is one of the most effective ways to start figuring out what yeah. you actually do believe because you can work backwards and if if someone does a behavior and they don't like how it makes them feel then you can kind of reverse engineer it and say yeah. what did, what did i have to believe in order to do this or what do i have to believe in order to feel this and there's going to be clues that come up and then if you're not happy with that belief start thinking well what could i change it to you That's know i used to have a advice. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a useful way of doing it. I mean, I've, I've had a, 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 a journal for about 20 years now. And, and one of my, one of my beliefs um, used to be about confidence, like confidence to go out that I would need to drink in order to feel confident around other yeah. people. Yeah. Um, but that just encouraged me to become dependent on alcohol in social situations. Yes. Um, which, I mean, I, I haven't drunk for, for about I had the same belief. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and a lot of people do, you know, the industry yeah. itself, you know, propagates that belief system. Yeah. I, I haven't drunk for uh, about two years now. Um, nice. And then when I, when I now think about it, it's kind of like, well, that belief was never true. But yeah. while I held that belief, I treated it as if it was true and, and, and actually true, <laughs> because you believed it <laughs> a, absolutely and, and and there's a very famous scene in the original dumbo movie the the disney movie where the the elephant uh, dumbo believes that he can fly only because he has a pink feather um right. and it turns out that actually the feather wasn't necessary for him to to fly but he feels that the pink feather is what's required and, and quite often you know, when I'm working with clients, I'll start describing their, their beliefs as their pink feather yeah. to say, well, actually, the reason why that you, you think this is because of this belief. But what if it is a pink feather? What if, what if you don't actually need that belief mm -hmm. or need that behavior at all? You yeah. just think you do in order to kind of get to this particular outcome. And once you start creating the possibility that it's not necessary, then you can create that vacuum, that void to put a different belief in that same place. Yeah, but I, I can see how that's like so challenging because it really is like an ego death, right? Like it's, they, they, you have to be humble to the point where you can be like, I've believed this my whole life and now I'm changing my belief, you know? It's a bit of that ego death as well. Like you're attached to the way you see yourself. Massively right? attached to it, but, but equally yeah. you've got to reframe it so that, you know, you, you make it painful rather than pleasurable. Um, you know, so, you know, for, for one of my beliefs, for example, that I used to have, I used to drink lots of energy drinks, right? And these energy drinks give me energy. Okay. So that was my belief, yes. but actually you do, you do a little bit of research and you, what, what's the body's reaction to having suit, you know, high amounts of kind of sugar in a very short period of time, it releases lots of insulin. What does insulin do? It makes you feel lethargic. Mm -hmm. So once, once I kind of did a bit of research and figured out that actually, the you know the, the consequence of energy drinks is that it makes me feel more tired more anxious more paranoid yeah. well, then actually it was super easy to kind of have a different belief because it meant something else it was no longer energy it was you know you know an energy drain it was an energy leech yes. is the, is the thing the natural that energy yeah a absolutely so what, once you start thinking of it in that way well then suddenly the belief can change quickly because you don't just give it a different meaning, you give it the opposite meaning. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's lots of things that you can, you can do in, in life where actually it turns out that the, the best belief is the absolute opposite of the thing that you've been believing all that time. Yeah. And that's how magical transformations happen. It's yeah. kind of like, not only is this not true, but the opposite is probably true. And yeah. if the opposite is probably true, well, you know, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and then that, you know, it looks like magic. It doesn't matter if you do it on yourself yeah, it or you help someone else create a new belief. Yeah. But when a core belief becomes the exact opposite of what it was before, um, people, people look at people and they say, what happened to you? You've changed. And it's kind of like, of course, you know, that's, that's the game, you know, to keep yeah. evolving, keep leveling up. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um, I love the topic on like coffee and energy drinks. I think it's so funny because I shit you not, all the people in my life who drink tons of coffee or drink lots of energy drinks every single day and feel that they need it, they are the people who are the most lethargic and have the least amount of energy that I know in my life. And the people who never drink coffee and never drink energy drinks, they're the ones who have the most energy. So it's bouncing like, off the walls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, and and that, that's the thing also we're talking about beliefs is that whatever your belief is, you tend to find evidence around you. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a lot of people immediately, intuitively, they start talking about their beliefs. They say, I know it's true because of this, this, and this, yeah. and they'll have all the evidence. What's interesting is that, you know, when you have a new belief that happens rapidly, you start, 
you know, this re reticular activating system we talked about in the law of attraction, that starts happening. So the moment you believe something new, evidence is everywhere around you. Yeah. Like, for example, I used to be um, a recluse. I had high levels of anxiety. I had social anxiety. So people were my, uh, my, my, my biggest cause of fear. Yeah. And I, I started thinking, well, at that point, my belief was um, people have the ability to evaluate me negatively and that's going to change my, how I feel. Aww. So I was worried about what people thought. And then I kind of thought, well, what do I really think about people? And I forget the exact acronym, but I kind of thought, well, would I want to live in a world with no people whatsoever? And it was a categoric no, you know, that would, that would be absolute misery. So yeah. it's kind of like, there must be value in people. So I created an acronym, which was people are precious. And then each of the, the letters in precious uh, represented a different word to give it a different meaning. And, and I was, how old was I? I was about 20, 21 at the time. And up to that point, I was kind of looking at people as the cause of my anxiety, the cause yeah. of my, my, my kind of frustration. And I did this work and I just kind of really thought of, well, is it true that they're this or could they be genuinely precious and, and genuinely, you know, most people are positive. Most people, you know, are pleasure seeking for their own things. They, they want to be respected. So all these letters of the word precious became new positive meanings and associations with people. It was crazy. I woke up the next day and went to the exact same town center that I was living in and everything was different. You know, it was the same, but I was looking at it different. Suddenly it had gone from people are the bane of my life to suddenly I am so grateful that there's people around me. Yeah. And of course, was I walking differently? Definitely. Was I actually smiling? Probably, you know, and therefore, okay. you know, my reaction with other people completely changed just because I had a, a, a completely different opposite belief system rather than people were, were to be avoided people were there to be connected with and that one change like set set my life on an entirely different trajectory um had i not changed that belief perhaps i would still be you know a recluse hiding away from people even yeah. now definitely i wouldn't be doing a a podcast where i interview lots of different <laughs> people all the time and i wouldn't be a therapist yeah. working with different people so exactly. people underestimate i think the consequence of changing just one belief yeah but when you change one belief it magic things can happen Exactly, because changing just one belief can also eventually end up changing another belief. And then once you have two core beliefs changed, then it's even more of a dramatic change in your life. So what okay. things can we do as adults who have, you know, have had the same core belief about us, about life, our entire lives, what practical, constructive things can we do to actually change those beliefs? I, I think practice you know I'm a, I'm a big fan of practicing with small stuff so deciding on things that aren't that important you don't want to start off by changing the belief about your own identity mm -hmm. you know maybe do that on week two you know to begin <laughs> with you know maybe there's a belief about i don't know um the planet or nature or your environment or you know a colleague or something like that and, and maybe there's someone in your life that you're not that close to but you don't particularly like yeah. And maybe you can create a new belief. Well, what if I've misunderstood them? And, and what if actually they're a good person, you know, and then just start changing with beliefs that aren't going to change your world, but you get to test. And when you really are convinced that actually they're not a bad person, I've just misunderstood them. And actually they're probably, you know, quite positive. And then suddenly you interact with them differently. And then suddenly you find that actually that there are positive qualities in that person. Well, then that becomes evidence that beliefs can change. And then you can kind of incrementally go through um, but I would say, you know, changing beliefs, first of all, you have to have a meta belief that beliefs can be changed. And, and, and what I do to, to, as a convincer for clients, uh, you know, I, I, I always use Father Christmas, Santa Claus as the example. I say, look, when you were like four or five years old, the excitement that you felt on Christmas Eve, that was real. The emotion that you felt was absolutely real, even if Santa Claus wasn't. Okay, yeah. which proves that you can feel real emotions from false information. So you can't prove that your belief is real because you feel depressed right now or you feel anxious because that anxiety might also be based on a false belief system. You don't believe in Father Christmas now, but you did back then, which also proves that you can believe something and be convinced by something at one point in your life and no longer have that belief. And what all I'm doing there is proving to them that they can change beliefs and that 
just because emotions are real doesn't mean the belief behind the emotion is also real. Yeah. And what I'm really doing there is priming them to accept that maybe what they believe isn't true, isn't useful, and actually we can replace it with something a bit more useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to have a belief about beliefs. And, and I think everyone categorically knows that beliefs can change because we're not born preloaded with every belief. We've acquired our beliefs throughout our lifetime. Many of those beliefs have changed. You know, there's, there's so many people, um, you know, and, and sometimes it's good to ask people, you know, what, who, who do you absolutely despise now that you loved at one point in time? They'll have that. And it's like, well, then your belief changed, you know, yeah. And, and anyone that's a vegan now that wasn't before, they've got evidence of a belief change. Yeah. And, and once they've got evidence that one belief has changed, then you can start thinking, well, what would be another belief that would be useful to change? And once you've practiced on some of these small beliefs, then you can start thinking, if I were to change one th- way of thinking about myself, you know, what would I need to change in order to set my life in the right direction? And, and some of the most useful beliefs are the kind of beliefs that you have tattooed on yourself, which is yeah. beliefs about personal responsibility, beliefs about gratitude, beliefs about capability. Um, you know, I have a belief that I can learn rapidly and, and, you know, I learned a lot of things relatively quickly. I don't know if that's because <laughs> it's true or maybe I just believe that and therefore I activate the resources required to make that happen. But th- there are certain things that are just useful to believe and, you're surrounded by people, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I always play the detective. If someone is doing something that I want to do that I can't do, I always ask the question, you know, what do you believe about that? And, and the great thing is people will tell you exactly what they believe and you can copy them, you know, and it's, it's the, the fastest way to get ahead is just to start believing what other people are believing that are doing or experiencing the kind of things that you want to experience. Yes, exactly. People that you're inspired by. That's, yeah, that's a good piece of advice. How can people find you on social media, the internet? <laughs> yeah. So um, just to find out information about me, um, adamcox.co.uk, which is the UK domain. So adamcox.co.uk. If they want to hear my podcast where I interview people to pick their brains and get their belief systems, that's Modern Mindset with Adam Cox. Uh, if you want to hear my hypnosis sessions, there's about 80 hypnosis sessions on a podcast called The Hypnotist. Yeah. Uh, if you have a phobia and don't want it anymore, go to phobiaguru.com. If you're overweight and don't want to be overweight anymore, go to hypnoslimming.com or just put Adam Cox in Google and my bold head will show up on screen. Awesome. I love that. You have so many different sites. I love it. Oh, so good. <laughs> Amazing. So for you. <laughs> no, it's, it's a pleasure to be on your show, Aurel, and uh, thank you so much for the invite.